because damn it, I am sick of playing house and getting stuck in the living room every flipping time, even though it's supposed to be a random spawn yes. selection. Right. <laughs> yes, their random generator is broken, man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Unrenowned Podcast, where we talk about Siege, what we like about Siege. What we don't like about Siege. I'm your host, Ryan. I'm Chris. Guys, we have an amazing show today because things won't stop happening. Okay, so first of all, let's not bury the lead. We got Icy Cat to guest on the show for us. We had an interview with him, a, a good long interview, talking about his history with Siege and what he thinks about um, where it is now and what's uh, where it's going in the future. So he had a lot of really interesting thoughts, I think. What, what did you think about the interview, Chris? How'd it go? No, yeah, I thought it was actually really interesting. I It was good to hear someone's thoughts that was in the in his kind of area where he's a informational kind of person. He has a little bit more information than I think we get, and he pays a lot more attention to what comes out. Small details for sure, right? Right. You'd always pay attention to little details that like just slip right by me. Mm-hmm. And it, it's good to get out of our little bubble a little bit, right? It's good to have somebody else on the podcast that uh, maybe didn't exactly agree with everything that we that we think should happen in the game. So it's cool to get another perspective. Right. Um, and then, of course, Operation Burnt Horizon has been announced. We've learned about the two new operators, Gridlock and Mozzie. Uh, they announced an MMR rollback system to combat cheating. Uh, the imitational is going on. There's going to be big announcements at that, we think. There's been changes to pricing of the game and the different additions that are offered. And the new map, Outback, has been announced. So there's just, we're like, we can't... St- <laughs> like, we, there's no way we can cover all this stuff in a reasonable amount of podcast time. <laughs> right. Um, one point of order before we move on. You may notice that we sound a little bit different, or probably Chris does. I probably don't sound that different because... We ran into a little technical issue with our earlier recording. So we had recorded this episode previously, the whole IcyCat interview and everything, and it sounded like this. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Unrenowned Podcast where we talk about Siege. So that's obviously a problem. So we have to go back and re-record. So we're actually doing it over Discord instead of in person like we normally do. So sorry for the audio quality of this particular episode being not as good as other episodes. Um mm. Luckily, go ahead. Yeah, no, we were both going to say the same thing. Luckily, I was also recording a copy of Icy Cats, just the Discord and us, in a very ugly, like OBS way. So, it. So yeah, we made sure to have a a backup for that because we were worried. Um, And turns out that our very like uh, held together with duct tape technical solution didn't work out. So (laughs) good thing we had the backup. So so in that. interview with icy cat he sounds great which is good because that was the most important part you're going to hear a little bit of echoiness between me and chris um so sorry about that but 23 episodes this is really the only one that we've had a serious issue with so not too bad right pretty dang good i guess this is the second one we had another one that we had an issue with yeah but it wasn't as big a deal because we could just re-record it right this was much much worse and scary okay Let's get into Burnt Horizon. That's the exciting stuff. It's, it's, so let me just actually break down the structure of this episode. So we're going to go ahead and talk about um, these new announcements that have come out. We'll try to cover that as quickly as possible. Then we'll get into the Icy Cat interview. And then from there, um, actually, we're going to do a little breakdown of the Invitational and um, what has happened up to this point when you li- are listening to this. 
as well as what to look forward to. So with our, our friend Camden, who we play with and who really follows Pro League pretty closely, he's going to come and sort of give us an update on that. So let us know what you guys think about that, if you think that's interesting or if it's not worth the time. Okay. Burn Horizon. I'm pretty excited about this so far, from what we know. Yeah, How are you feeling? It, I, same. I'm excited, and I'm also just so nervous because they've they've done this before, where they have something that looks really, really good, and it comes out, and it's just like, eh, okay. Yeah, we are definitely prone to being excited. I think so. right <laughs> for Siege. Okay, so let's start with the operators. So um, their names, I don't think, have been officially announced, but it's been linked through. Yes, they uh, have. Pretty. Oh, have they been officially announced? Oh. Yes, yes, I'm pretty sure. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. But we have the Gridlock and Mozzie. Yeah. So Gridlock is a male defender and Mozzie is a female attacker. Um let's start with Mozzie. So we have a screenshot of her. We also have a high res image that somebody's mined out of the website. Um what we know about Mozzie from what they said, let's see. Uh, this includes a new device that'll keep roaming defenders on their toes is what they said about Mozzie. Mm -hmm. Um, We know that she has a thing called tracks based on that leak from several weeks ago. Um, The, her stat that's tracked on the website is tracks deployed. Um, And I think we have, we have some like, leaked screenshots of it. It's like, it looks like sort of a red spider web type of thing that maybe she lays down on the ground or something. Right. Is there anything else we know about her? Not really. Um, if, if this is, we talk about this with icy cat a little bit, so I don't really want to go into it, but if she is what we're kind of thinking about, which is something you step on and makes noise. I mean, we talked about an operator that does that exactly. So we're just on a roll here with our, this is what's going to happen. Then it happens. This is what we want to happen. And then it happens. The podcast powers are real. Um, yeah, like uh, the way that like if you go and look back at some of their other like teasers of operators coming up, like the, they pick their words very precisely about how right. they describe the operators. Um, and so like if you go back and like once you know what the operators do, then you go back and read like the phrasing they chose and you're like, oh, that like they were actually kind of teasing what this operator does. Right. Mm-hmm. So keep defrobing defenders on their toes. Like, I'm wondering if this trap she puts down is something that's sort of like, um, so we had that operator that we talked about that was shard or something that we were saying put glass or like spikes on the ground that you'd have to like walk through and damage you and slow you down or whatever. Right. I think that's basically what this is going to be, where she puts this trap on the ground that basically covers an area similar to barbed wire. And then like to walk through it, you kind of have to slow down and maybe like tiptoe through like the, uh, the, the holes in the spider web or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where the toes comment is coming in. And I think this will be interesting if that's the case. Like if it's something that maybe alerts them to your presence, if you presence, if you go through it too quickly or something. Yeah. And we'll see. It's uh, talking about, it just gets me all angsty. What's that word? Not anxious, but like excited, but like, anyway, it gets me angsty to just like watch this reveal that we're going to see just on Sunday. I'm just excited. I just, I want to see, you know? Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is that she's an attacker and she's got this thing that's like mm-hmm. almost and seems I'm like hoping, a defender's trap. Oh, I'm really, really hoping that it's not someone else that's just like you step on it or something and it just starts tracking you. Like, oh, please yes. no. We please have enough trackers. No. 
Um, yeah, especially for the attackers. The attackers have plenty of things that are tracking people and pinging people. I, I really don't want that to just continue being the meta where it's just like eventually every operator is just scanning you. Yeah, I mean, you get Jackal and Dokabi and Blitz and Lion together and then you add this girl and she's tracking you too. It's going to be like, okay, that's enough of that. Right. So that'll be interesting. Also, the one interesting thing I see about her and from the screenshot itself is that she is like a big and burly lady. I mm-hmm. would not be surprised if she ends up being a three-armor attacker, um, yeah. which we only have three now who are uh, the two shields and fuse. Right. So that would be interesting. Um, I don't think she would get much play if that was the case. And depending on her utility, her utilities in her guns are going to play a huge role in it. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. I, get, I think people really, really don't like playing slow attackers. True. I think because I think, I mean, yeah, it's true because defenders is different. But like Rook and Doc, I don't think would be played as much if their MP5 just wasn't as good as it is. If they took the ACOG off of that, like their utility is dang good. But that ACOG on the MP5 is a sniper rifle. Absolutely. Like that, it's dang good. And I think that's a big part of why they're played is they just have such a good gun. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to Gridlock. Um, so based on his appearance, he looks like he's going to be another three-speed defender. He is really mm-hmm. slight um, and light armored. Looks uh, like Bandit. Yeah, he does. He looks a lot like Bandit, uh, except for his face. His face looks like Owen Wilson. Wow. Do you, you don't know who Owen Wilson is, do you? I didn't hear what you said. Owen Wilson? Do you know who Owen Wilson is? Owen Wilson? No, I don't. Yeah, you didn't get the reference. Okay, that's fine. Uh, somebody, somebody listening laughed. Um, so yeah, he's an attacker. It says he'll leave attackers at a bit of a loss. Um, and we know from the leak that his stat that's tracked on the website is drones hacked. Do we know anything more? No, we, we don't know anything more. We're speculating a lot. Um, so yeah, this Again, is another thing that we talked a little bit with Icy Cat about. Yeah, that's, I don't want to go too much into it because I just don't want to repeat my comments. But sure, um, I I think just this is just my guess that he's going to have some sort of device that he places and it covers sort of an area like a mute jammer, right? And so it it he places it in traffic patterns for for drones, and if a drone hits that, it will be hacked and he will be able to drive it around. I I would guess that he can only hack maybe one or two drones per device. Like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to just hack every single drone that drives through that that spot. Yeah, I, I want to see... I think that that's probably pretty accurate of what might happen. That's a great guess. I would love, though, to see him have some device where he has to, like, chase the drone down there, like, catch it or <laughs> <Yes>. something. <laughs> I just think it would be so funny to watch him running around, like, come here, you little one. Get it over would, here. It would be a fun game Giddy. in, in the prep phase. Yeah. Um, you got like also, other operators like trying to put down a deployable shield to block it or something. Yeah, you could also have some really great voice lines to go with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, so he'll be cool. Little I think that, getting away from me. If he if he can actually hack a drone and drive it, regardless of the method of doing that, I think that will be insanely amazing. Oh, it would be so defenders. much fun. Kind of cool. hope that's the case. Okay, I think that's about it on those guys so then we have the actual announcement of the new map which is called outback mm-hmm. it's in australia um oh, by the way those those operators are from the sasr which is a 
um, special forces group in Australia. Um, so this new map, it looks really good. Um, it does. And it's it, hard it to looks, tell. It looks, okay, I said this with Fortress, that it looks small. Mm-hmm. This one does too, though. This one does look kind of like it's smaller. Well, this one they've actually said that it's smaller. Have they? Um, they said, I'm trying to find this. Uh, they said it's a medium-sized map, so players won't need to go far to find alternative routes. Oh, so, thank goodness. Medium-sized, I think that fits with sort of consulate or uh, Coastline, border. Yes. And these, I mean, these were big maps when they were originally there, but now with right. how they've gone with the maps, they're medium. So um, they said, a, they have this, a bunch of quotes from the designers here on the announcement. And there's a couple that I think are interesting. So the first one is, we divided the map into three distinct sections, the garage, the motel, and the restaurant, and put a lot of effort into making sure each section is recognizable, even from far away. There are specific colors for each section, and we use lighting and geometry to direct the player's gaze to where they need to go. So and they go. said the same thing about Fortress, and it yes. just is not true. I, I mean, right? Maybe other people notice it more, but I just I don't see differences in Fortress. I just see the same. I'm hoping that's not the case with this map. I hope you really can tell where you are and what you're looking at. Yeah, I agree 100. percent That's exactly what I thought too when I read it. Um, and we, I remember talking about this when Fortress was announced, how we were so excited that they were doing that because, you know, previous maps like theme park, it was just too hard to distinguish where you were on the map. Um, but like, like you, I think Fortress has that same problem where it's just not distinct enough and that for how big it is, it really needs to have more distinction so that you don't just get lost as, as somebody who's new to the map. Yeah. It's part of the beauty of of games like halo and stuff that don't have to stick to realism in their match where they can just put colors all over the place mm-hmm. and you just know where you are just cause it's, it's purple now. Like, you know, right. Like, that's great. And they can't do that in siege, but they can, they have other things that they can do like putting beds in some areas and then other areas it's a restaurant. Right. So, right. Oh, well, and what they're saying here is that they actually have sort of done that. They've got like different colors. Um, so I think that will be, that'll be good. And it, they have the the like video map tour, like not map tour, but like kind of teaser. Um, and just based on that, it does look like there's actually some very distinct features, like a big shark hanging from the ceiling was one thing I remember. I, I think we're actually going to achieve what we were hoping for from Fortress. That's good. And one thing that scared me about the map has been this first announcement about um, year four, season one, Burt Horizon, is this sentence that says it's a service station halfway between here and nowhere, resulting in a map that's packed with twists, turns in Australiana. Australiana? Yeah. I, that twists and turns part, I was like, no, 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 no. None of that. Right. We don't want twists and turns. Not at all. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm looking at this trailer again, and there are, I mean, there's a kitchen that's very, very, like, it looks very distinct from this little cafe diner area. And then there's a garage with like cars. I mean, these, these areas look more like a clubhouse, right? We're like, yeah, I'm obviously in a garage and not in the bar. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And then here's the next part that I thought was interesting. They said, additionally, the focus was on returning to a style of gameplay that players have enjoyed in the past while keeping the meta in mind. We wanted to emphasize the impact of player decision-making so, for example, there's a limited number of doors between each sections. Roamers can still create new paths by destroying walls, and there's always the option of changing floors as a flanking strategy. It's a medium-sized map, so players won't need to go far to find alternative routes. So, to me, it sounds like 
um, they're getting away from what we've seen in Fortress and uh, the new Hereford and what's the other one that's recently introduced? Villa? Villa? Yeah, Villa, where there's just like, there's so many rooms and so many hallways and so many doorways Mm -hmm. that in any given room, you have options to rotate without having to do anything yourself. And so you don't ever have to like go to the next floor or anything. You just stay on the same floor and just lose, you know, whoever's tracking you, you just lose them there somewhere. And then, and then you come back and, you know, flank them from another side because there's just so many different ways you can go. It's too mazy. Um, I think what they're saying here, and I hope is they're going back to more of like a clubhouse feel or an Oregon feel where there's really only one, maybe two ways to go out of a room. And so if you really want to get a new angle, you have to like change floors or you have to open a hole with an impact or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, is that what we need to fix really? Is that the real problem with the maps like Villa? And It's it's just the random rooms that, they don't, that you don't know what they are. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It's turning into all these random rooms and you're just, it's that that twists and turns line is what's mm-hmm. going on with a villa, especially villa's basement and theme park. It's just right. rooms and rooms and rooms and lots of know. connector rooms, right? That like, right. why is there a room here? Yeah, if why is there a room that connects, a building, room that connects to another room? Right, like, like this room serves no purpose. It's just a, it's like weird. a closet size room that's yeah. here for no other reason than for somebody to hide. It's a monster closet, right? Like from right. Doom, where he would open a door and like there was just monsters in there, and you're like, why is this room here? Why does this room exist? Yeah. So good. This sounds good. Yes, it does sound good. Okay, so two more pieces we want to cover really quick before we um, get into the ICK interview. One is the MMR rollback adjustment. So basically what this is, um, when a cheater gets banned from Siege, what they're going to do is go back and find every game that that cheater participated in that season and roll back the MMR adjustments uh, that were made after that game. So whether you were with or against the cheater, whether you won or you lost, doesn't matter. That game will be erased from your history and from everybody else's history that participated in the match. Is that yeah. an accurate explanation? Yeah, I think it is. Okay, so what are your thoughts? I am excited to see the fact that cheating is possibly going to be like boosting at least is going to be downgraded just to the fact that like if you're a booster the cheater and he's caught that game's over and just mm-hmm. knowing that nothing in ranked at this point is going to be affected by cheating anymore right yeah it, it, i mean it seems like what's as going long on, as they get caught right and, which i think they're pretty good about catching the cheaters but it seems like what's going on right now is people are, are basically hiring cheaters to come and boost them that's why they've started banning players who've been boosted right mm-hmm. um and so basically what they're doing here is they're just undermining that whole economy, just destroying that market by saying like, Hey, any game that a cheater participates in is going to be rolled back. Whether you, you like whether we can tell that you were doing it with them or not. So at mm-hmm. that point, there's just no market to sell, like play, you know, I will cheat for you and be on your team to boost you because right. you'll lose. That's that. over. It's great. Good so that's call. good. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. Um, and then the last thing is they have um, updated the versions of the game that they're selling. So basically, Starter Edition is going away. Everybody who currently has the Starter Edition will be upgraded to the Standard Edition. Uh, and your Operator Unlock uh, Renown rate will switch to that original Standard version. 
Um, and then they're shifting a little bit of what's included in the deluxe edition, gold edition, ultimate edition, um, sort of making those more valuable with all the new content that's come out since then. So that's good. Starter edition was always bad. Mm-hmm. So it's good that that's gone. Yep. It's, it's good that they're also, we don't know exactly what the price is for the DLC operators at this point, but it's good that they're taking it down. I mean, there we are again. We talked about it and here it comes. Yeah, so that yeah, that's the other piece. So the DLC operators that are older, year one, year two, their like standard price is going to be coming down from that twenty five thousand renown, which is amazing. Like this is something that we've been talking about. Like, okay, from this announcement, I'm becoming thoroughly convinced that somebody at the siege team is listening to this podcast and like implementing <laughs> things we're saying. Like literally, because like this is something that we have said a bunch of times. Like, okay, here's how you fix it for new players, right? Like the problem is not that they can't get those first 20 operators. That's not a problem. That's super easy. The problem is getting everybody after that because it costs 25,000 right now and that takes like 25 hours. Um, so yeah, what you need to do is those year one, year two operators, they need to start coming down. Like after they've been out for a year, those prices yeah. need to come down. That's how these people can catch up right after they're coming sure. super late. Um, and the other thing that they're doing is the starter, the original 20 operators are being reverted back to their original price of like the 500, 1,000, 1,500, and 2,000 renown um, mm-hmm. on each uh, team, right? Mm-hmm. Which is another thing that we said, like, okay, throwing people in to 20 operators that they know nothing about is not actually helpful. You know, like give them one or two to start with, but then like those unlocks happen quickly. Like, and they happen at a good pace for people to like learn how to play the game. Um, so I think this is much, much better of a, of a system that they're doing here. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see how it plays out with new players that come in. Try to get like new players feedback, which is kind of hard to do. But if we can get a new player in here and see after they play for a month and see if this helps them, that would be great to hear about. That would be cool. Yeah, uh, if if you're new, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on that in the podcast uh, questions channel. Yeah. Okay, so we kind of rushed through this stuff because we do want to get to the ICK interview um, and. So uh, if you have if you have more questions about this or you'd like to hear our thoughts a little bit more in depth, feel free to ask us in the podcast questions on our Discord channel. You can find the link for that in the show notes or also on our Twitter account, which is at r6unrenowned. And you can ask us questions for the podcast either on that Twitter account or in the Discord channel. Um, we won't be answering questions this week just because we have such a full show, but we will come back next week and get to all those that we missed. Um, yeah. And then we're just going to go ahead and sort of blast through the rest of this stuff. So... We will sign off here. If you guys want to follow us on YouTube and Twitch, you can follow me at VG Fiasco. I am just hello with three O's on the same platforms. Okay, so stick around. Coming up is the Isaac interview. Following that, we have the invitational um, breakdown. Two interesting segments, hopefully. So let us know what you think. Don't move from this spot, understand? Okay, so uh, we've got our first ever guest on the podcast today, which is none other than the ever-prolific Icy Cat. Welcome, Icy Cat. Hey, thanks a lot. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. This is amazing to have you here. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. Well, thanks for having me. So, so one thing our listeners really like about our show is that we've been around with siege since like beta. So like before it even came out, but I think you've been involved with siege, like since even before that, just going back and like having watched your videos back in the day. So like, yeah. when did you first like start following siege? Um, 
I joined the official subreddit back when it was back when the subscriber count was still in the hundreds, like, like <laughs> wow, maybe 300 crazy. or 400 people total. Um, okay. And yeah, that was uh, I had seen the E3 trailer and it was like, oh, this game looks totally amazing. And um, just kind of started following it, got involved with the subreddit. Um, I did not participate in the alpha. I was around for the alpha, but I am not a PC player. So, um, I, I, yeah. So, um, like I followed it during the alpha. I was watching the videos and the feedback. I was participating in the subreddit feedback. And then the development team invited me to become a subreddit moderator at about the same time I made my first video. Um, which was a total coincidence. It wasn't something that was planned one way or the other. It was just like, mm. I think within a week or two, like of one thing happening, the other happened and it wasn't planned that way. It just occurred. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So it wasn't even like, Oh, here's this content creator for us. Let's try to get him more involved. It was more just like, Hey, you're active on the subreddit. Do you want to be a moderator? Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. What was that first video about? Um, it was a really awkward, like self introduction <laughs> of just saying like, Hey, I have no, like literally the video was me saying, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm really passionate about this franchise and I just kind of want to cover it. Um, and so it was just like a developing thing. Uh, I remember, uh, and I'm going to date myself here a little bit, but when call of duty advanced warfare, uh, was a, a new game, I was playing that a lot and as well, um, call of duty ghosts. And mm-hmm. so I started following some YouTubers like, you know, LAA and T Martin and some of those guys. And I was like, okay, you know, yeah. But um, then I started seeing some people like Drifter and I thought, oh, he's got a cool style that I like where he's like informational, mm-hmm. like he's informing the community and he's not just like, oh, look at all of my amazing kills, but he's like, he's teaching people. He's being like a reporter in some aspects. Right. Um, and that really appealed to me. And so when I started seeing the development of the game beginning, I was like, you know, I think like I kind of want to do something like that because I'm kind of an older gamer. So I know I'm not going to be like one of these, like, you know, 16 year old kids guzzling Mountain Dew and getting headshot aces all day long. Yep. Right. <laughs> so that's never going to be my gameplay on my channel. Yeah. Um, but I do uh, professionally, I work in journalism and broadcast. And so I knew that that was an element that I could successfully um, translate into uh, something like this. And I was actually one of the first, possibly even the first dedicated siege youtube content creator um there's some other guys like um i think like level cap and jack frags and stuff had done like a few videos of like oh look at this game that's coming out Mm -hmm. but i was like the first one that was like okay every week we're doing a video on just this game you know and i think that was kind of like i was one of the first people that did that so no for sure like we remember that like super specifically because (laughs) like we we did youtube too like more back then than we do now we still sort of do but um and like we were getting into Siege and we we're like, this game is awesome. We should do this more. And we started streaming it a little bit and stuff. And then we started to see you coming up and just how fast you were growing. And like, we were just like, man, we missed our shot. That guy's doing it. And, like, we should have done what he did. Like we missed it. So And that was such an accident. None of that was planned at all. Like I didn't set out to become a content creator for like the sake of like, I never expected to like get, 
you know, like to the point where I was actually earning ad revenue or having a reputation or being known, I thought like I would be doing well if I ever got up to 100 subscribers, Mm -hmm. Uh Um, you know, and I thought, you know, like maybe I'll make a couple dozen videos and like, that'll be, you know, call it good there, you know, sort of a thing. And then it just sort of like, it took off like a rocket. Uh, and I was just like, what is happening? And I'm still sort of riding that, like, well, I don't know what happened here, but I, I'm just going yeah. with it kind of thing. Just keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think, I think you filled like a niche for sure that nobody else, at least in that time was really doing just like, I mean, there was like uh, serenity who was doing a lot more like gameplay and like, look how good I am. Stuff you were talking about, but, um, yeah, he came about six months after, um, like around the time that season one transitioning into season two started really becoming popular. Like a lot of those other guys really started finding their footing and becoming established because yeah. pro league was sort of becoming a thing. The competition play was sort of becoming a thing. Um, I found that what really made my channel take off was that I was invited for a week to work with the development team. And I was part of a, um, uh, a focus group of 10 players that got a chance mm-hmm. to play the game before it even went into beta, before it was released to the public. It's actually um, a lot of our feedback were things that we wound up seeing getting translated into the final game based on things we told them that they should change or should keep the same or should reinforce or, you know, whatever. Um, but I used that time to develop um, content around each of the 20 base operators. Uh-huh. And so when the game wound up coming out, I timed it so that the 20th operator video dropped on the day that the game released so that when day one, no matter which operator you wanted to play, you could go and look up information about it. Even though you like the day it launched, you'd never played this game before you could find out how to use sledge or how to use Capcan or do whatever. And that's kind of what took off from there was like some, somebody was able to provide a resource of knowledge Mm -hmm. for all Mm -hmm. of these, you know, intricacies of how these characters worked. I yeah. think that's definitely what made me like watch a lot of your videos at the beginning because there was that time like after beta ended and before the game released, I was just like, I need to play Siege. Like I want Siege. I need Siege in my life. But there was no Siege to play. So it was like just any content that was like more Siege. So like patch notes or like something for the developers. And then your videos was like just extra content that we didn't know about before. And so right. it was just like something to look at that was like Siege gameplay that the game still hadn't been released. And so I think like a lot of people were just like, oh, this is Siege that we don't know about yet. Right, right. <laughs> that was that was way cool. So what were some of the things like in that pre-alpha or, or I guess maybe between alpha and beta or whatever where, where you were invited to go? What were some of the things that you were saying they should change? Well, there's certain aspects of the of you know what we participated in that uh, was covered under non-disclosure agreement. So even to this day, you know, I, I probably can't discuss some of the aspects mm-hmm. of the more sensitive natures of things. Um, but like, I know that there's other things that the community managers or uh, community developers at the time did kind of discuss a little bit within the community. So I know that, you know, those are at least a little bit safe. One of them is um, the shield operators. At the time, um, shield operators were something that you could ADS with the shield still up. So, um, like you would have the shield up and essentially, you know, it would, uh, still have that ADS animation and you would have that full wall of protection in front of you and it would zoom in a little bit. And it was like, oh, it was totally nuts. In fact, one of the guys in our play test group was like, uh, somebody repelled in like a, like a blitz repelled in and he's just like, there's just nothing you can do. Iron Man comes through the window and that's it. There's just like, you lose. (laughs) And based on our feedback, we, you know, they were like, well, 
you know, we hear you. What is it we should do about it? And a couple of people in our group suggested canting the shield, tilting it and aiming over the top of it, creating a slight delay in the animation uh, mm. and um, creating that vulnerability of like upper chest, shoulders, head that can be shot. So if you want that precision, now you have to expose yourself at least a little bit to be able to pull that off without having that like solid steel wall of invulnerability. And I know that right. the developers did talk about that change a little bit before the game was released. Like that's sort of a safe one to discuss, but uh, that's just one example of where we were play testing the game before it was ever released. And we're like, uh, guys, this, you can't do that. That's just, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. work. <Yep. laughs> and they were super responsive to it. Cause they kind of knew that there was an issue with that. Sure. And that's why they were like, you know, well, I mean, we've got the 10 of you here, you know, what do you guys think we should do about it? And so they were super responsive to that. That's really impressive on Ubisoft's part to bring in 10 players and like, come test this game for us and tell us what we need to fix. And then taking that response and actually doing something with it. That's Yeah. I mean, I mean, th there's a ton of stuff under NDA that I can't talk about that the devs right. have never mentioned, but I will say that there's lots of other instances like that where they had something in the game and either it was positive feedback we had or negative feedback we had. And no matter what it was, I will say that they were super responsive to being like, you know, uh, whether they agreed with it or disagreed with it, they took it all in and was like they when we were like, you know, saying like, Hey, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. Like they never got like offended about it. You know, they're never like, Oh my God, we invited you here. And now you're just like, you know, crapping all over our game. No, they were <laughs> yeah. never like that. They were totally cool about every piece of feedback we gave them. That's right. Yeah. So, um, funny story. Chris actually, he was um, pretty active on the subreddit shortly after the game came out and he was invited to be a star player at E3 that first year. Okay, And uh, he ended up not being able to go because he was going to serve a mission for this church. And so, and so like, <laughs> he missed out on it. But, like, I think it was like, you would have been there and, like, some of the other big content creators would have been there. And so, like, uh, <laughs> do you have any questions about that, Chris? Are you... how, how was it? Because I know there was, like, quite a few people that were invited to that E3, like, the star players thing. How was that event? Was I couldn't like? tell you. I have never been a star player. Um, oh, really? I, yeah, I've, I'm the only person uh, on the subreddit moderation team that wasn't invited out of the original subreddit moderators. Um, and part of that was because the other people had already been invited before I even became involved for that first year. Okay. And then in the second year, um, when it came time for them to begin selecting other people the game really shifted to competitive play. So then it was about getting the Serenities and the Macy J's and the, right. you know, the, the pro league players and the Twitch streamers. And like, they, they were, they were all about that. And I'm not super competitive. I'm not pro league. I'm not uh, a streamer, you know, so it's kind of, you know, I'm news and information and reporting. And so I think that just kind of wasn't the vibe they were going for. And they really wanted to build siege is a competitive you know, game like in this competitive arena with like, you know, Call of Duty and Battlefield and all, you know, having these pro yeah. league tournaments and things like that. Um, and so they just sort of shifted into a different direction. And uh, in some ways that's unfortunate. And in other ways, I mean, I kind of understand it just, you know, there's a lot of pro league influence and, uh, you know, direction that the game has taken now. So, and, and, right. and a lot of that is good, you know, but. Yeah, for better or worse, they've definitely been successful at making Siege into that, right? Yeah. Um, 
So, so I guess on that note, like what keeps you interested in siege with it becoming more competitive? I'm, I'm like you were like, I mean, I'm a dad gamer, right? So I, I get maybe like four to five hours a week of, on a good week. And so like, you know, like I like to think I'm kind of good at the game, but I honestly don't get a ton of time to play. And I always feel like, man, if I could just dedicate more time, I could be like really good at this and it'd be way more fun. But like, yeah, yeah. you know, so what keeps you interested in it being that where you're not that pro league player? Um, well, there, I guess there's a couple aspects. The number one thing that keeps me invested in Siege, and this might sound corny, but it's just that I play with my friends. Um, and so every, uh, you know, I have two nights a week where I regularly play. Sometimes I can only get in one night a week. But, you know, for like that night, for four hours, maybe five hours, you know, once or twice a week, I get together with that same circle of friends and we just play. And it's that social aspect. For sure. And, you know, yeah. like... Um, like this new game, uh, Apex Legends just came out and everybody's like, oh, oh we got to play it. We got to play it. And we're like, okay, cool. And we're like, oh, but you can only have a squad of three people. And we're like, uh, well, okay, if a couple other people aren't available, we can try that. But like, yeah, I'm not leaving <laughs> yeah. two people behind to go try this new game. You know, yeah. like if we can right. all play it, fine. But um, so for me, first and foremost, it's about that circle of friendship that I've uh, either formed or uh, I have a lot of real life friends that I also play with, like people that I like hang out with on weekends that I actually see in real life yeah. uh, that I also play siege with. So uh, the other thing is other games just don't do it for me. Like I can't jump into the call of duty respawn machine. You yeah. know, <laughs> I just, I can't, uh, I can't hop into the Fortnite battle Royale, you know, kind of th- like, I just, Ugh. yeah the it's just unsatisfying there yeah totally <laughs> like the tactics of what you can do in a game like siege are unbelievable and uh i'm a i'm a really like i can be a very dirty player where i'm like i don't have like the super amazing gunplay skills but i will rip that floor open underneath you mm-hmm. or you know i will make a hole in a wall from an angle that you totally didn't expect you know and i will use like maybe i don't have amazing gunplay but damn it i've got map knowledge yes. you know mm-hmm. and i will i will leverage that in ways and like you can't do that in other games you know not really right. not to the way that you can do it in siege the tactics just are not there in other games that's that's something that I think that we love the most about Siege. It's just it's like so we when we played Call of Duty, it was mostly search and destroy, so it wasn't really the respawn, but it was like more of a tactical game. But then you get to Siege, where it's like the ultimate search and destroy of Call of Duty, where there's it's all tactical. You can be a great gun player, but you'll still lose if the person other guy's smarter. Like, right. Just right. the ways you can outplay people is amazing in Siege. Well, and I think the other thing that separates it from other games too is that it does an excellent job of giving you a role to play in the team even when you die. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. as soon as I yeah. die, I'm not like, I mean, like, okay, I'll get my little, oh, God, I can't believe it, whatever, out of the way. But then once that's done, I've got a job to do. I'm on cameras, you know, or maybe if there's four of us playing and we've got that fifth person that's a random, I'm watching that fifth person because then he's a mobile camera and I can communicate to the rest of the team that isn't tied into that fifth person's mic because, you know, he's like solo queued and not in our party. Um right. My job then becomes like, okay, I'm passing intel to the team and I'm still helping my team win even though I've died. Other games don't give you that role on death. You know, either they're respawn machines or you're just sitting there waiting. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's true. I think uh, it's it's kind of fun sometimes to be like one of the first guys to die because you just like watch everything going on. You're kind of like the team captain. Like, hey, you do this, you do this. Hey, watch that angle because he's already got your other angle. And it's kind of yeah, fun to like true. watch it all play out perfectly. Like, oh, I should die first more often. <laughs> <laughs> New tactic. Um. 
So I'm sure you saw today that there was those uh, the announcements for Burnt Horizon. Yes. Um, and we've got that now the images of the two operators. I think the names were dug up out of the website somewhere. It was like uh, Gridlock, Gridlock and, and Mosey. Mosey, Mosey, I don't know. That, we'll find so out. What, yeah, what are, your, what are your thoughts on what we've got there so far? And what are like, your guesses on what that's going to be about? Well, we know based on uh, the leaks that came out about a month ago that gave us a preliminary look of what these new operators look like, as well as the fact that it was going to be an Australian CTU and a little peek at the map. I did a whole video on that today. So shameless plug, go check out the video. Yeah, for sure. But um, <laughs> so the the way that the leaks all tie together is that Gridlock's got this uh, like an anti-roaming device where, where it's like this like it looks like kind of like a Spider-Man web thing that gets plunked down on the floor and uh, it's got like little, little spiky things on it. And I guess the, the thing with it is that when a roamer or, you know, any defender steps on it, it causes a little bit of damage. And then it also emits a sound and possibly, possibly not confirmed some kind of like a visual tag, like an alibi tag or a jackal tag or something like that for, for a moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so that seems like an interesting anti-roaming device, although the picture that I put up on the video that had been leaked that showed what the gadget looked like, it's like really obnoxiously bright red. So I'm not okay. sure how many defenders are going to fall in that when it's like so obvious, but right, yeah. I don't know if that's what it's, you know, maybe they've changed it since that leak a month ago or whatever too. Um, and then the other operator, the defender has, and we haven't seen a picture of this one yet, but we know what it is uh, based on that leak was that it's uh, some kind of a like a device that traps drones mm -hmm. and essentially like reprograms them for defender control. So it's like a defensive Dokkabi. It, it would be so cool to take someone's drone and just start controlling it. Like, that's <laughs> great. Now, I, now, for controlling a drone, I don't know if that just means passively viewing it. Right. Or if that means actually driving it around. You can drive it around. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it might be a little overpowered to, like, completely be able to drive it around. Mm -hmm. uh, it'd be fun, but that might be a little overpowered. But right. even just the ability to be able to see what it sees, you know. Yeah. How do you feel about, like, with the Jackal and the, I guess, Alibis on the other team, but you got Lion and some of those tracking Dokka operators, Dokkabee, how do you feel about another operator that can track defenders or where they're going? Well, so it's a very specific kind of tracking, mm -hmm. right, where, like, they have to step on the device. Right. Uh, Lion is global, so it's like uh -huh. you're screwed no matter where you are. Jackal is situational in that he's got to find some footprints to go after before right. he can do anything. Um, so I think Jackal is well-balanced, but Lion obviously has his issues, and we know that Lion's getting... Ubisoft has already said his rework is is in the works, and some people that have actually had a chance to play test early material have said Lion's rework is done. It's just yet to be revealed, but like it's it's whatever they're doing with it has already been done. So we'll find out, uh, hopefully, in the first reveal. season, we'll maybe. Um, so we'll see. But yeah. um, but having another operator that can do it, so like Jackal has to go find the footprints. There's a risk reward there. Right. This is also that kind of a thing where it's like, it's not pressing a button and getting the information. Like you have to put the device in a certain area. The defender has to step on it. And then the defenders also have the ability to see it before they do shoot it, destroy it, whatever, you know? So like, it's not like a, like a gimme Intel like lion. Right. That's so true. I think that that makes it balanced. That's a good point. Cause you can at least as a defender, you can be like, well, I, I stepped on it. Like that's my fault. I did something stupid. Whereas like, right. lion, and it's if like, they, well, I didn't do anything. I just, I'm here. And if they don't change the obnoxious bright red color that the 
leak picture showed, this device can be pretty easy to spot from a mile away right, anyhow. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Um, so are you expecting them to announce uh, the Lion the lion fixes at the Invitational? Or like, what, what do you think they're going to talk about at the Invitational? It sounds like they're building up to something big or a bunch of big things. They're building up to something huge. And the reason that I say that is because we've not even seen a year four roadmap. Right. Uh, and they've never done that. There's always been a year ahead roadmap every single year. Uh, and the only reason I can think that they're being so tight lipped about it, and there have been very minimal leaks. Uh, the only leak that came out was somebody that play tested it apparently and leaked the information from the play test. But um, I think that we're seeing this big clamp down on information because something is fundamentally going to be changed about the game. You know, like maybe casual is being completely restructured or the, the, you know, six uh, invitational rules for the the playlist event that we've been playing for the past, past few weekends are being, you know, maybe that's going to be the new ranked or whatever. Like there's going to be some big fundamental reveal of like restructuring large portions of the game, I think. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that six invitational playlist? Do you like that for a replacement for ranked or like what would you do with that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it for an event. Like, okay. I think it's a really cool event, but so many people are like, oh, this should become ranked. No, no, it shouldn't. And here's why I feel very strongly about this. Um, it is essentially ESL light, right? Uh-huh. Uh, you've got the, what is it, like seven maps? So it's a restricted map pool. It's only the maps that ESL plays. It's only the bomb mode that ESL plays. Um, you, you know, it uses the ESL rules or very, very close to them anyway. And um, it's really restrictive in a lot of those things. I don't want to see ranked become ESL tryouts. Now, okay. I think that mode should exist. I think that there should be a ranked and a ranked pro league or okay. you know something like that okay. i absolutely think super competitive top tier platinums diamonds you know um go go for cup players you know like all these people that want to play at that ultra competitive level they absolutely deserve a place to play that way mm-hmm. <clears throat> that said i don't want to see everybody's ranked become pro league tryouts yeah so that's kind of how i feel about it that's, that's so i haven't thought about it that way actually of like a I mean, people are kind of using it. It's like, a, this is pro league tryouts now, right? Like, this is how the pros play now. This is how we have to play. Yeah. There's definitely a thing where people, like, want to just do things the same way the pros do them. Like, oh, this is the angle the pros peak, so I'm going to peak that angle. And it's just like, oh, the pros think that line's broken, so everybody thinks line's broken. You know, it's like, well, at our level, is he really that broken? You know, or like, or Blackbeard or whatever, right? It's like, okay, when you're in gold, like, Blackbeard's fine. Right. The game is very different when you're at gold and lower than it is when you're at platinum and diamond. Um, And even platinum players don't necessarily all play at that super competitive level. I mean, I've myself, I've been in gold one and it's like, oh, I'm getting close to platinum. I I better not win too many more because like I don't want to be in that tier, you know, but like I'm dangerously close Um, because like I know I can't hold my own on those upper, you know, competitive levels. Yeah. And so the game is very, very different from gold and below. And so I don't think everybody's ranked should become pro league, you know, rules. But I do absolutely believe that those people deserve a place to play the game the way that 
they want to play it at those pro league levels. So I just think that there should be a ranked and a pro league ranked. And I think casual should become what ranked sort of is now. And then ranked should just get like some refinements for sure, you know, and then get like, like I said, that pro league ranked then for those super, I don't know, try hard people, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So what, what changes would you make to the current ranked? Um, I would absolutely put in pick and ban. I think that that is an amazing function. I played with that when it was first released in custom matches. So I've actually been playing around with it for a while. I think pick and ban is super fun. Um, And I've yet to play a match where blitz was allowed with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, And there's a few other regulars too, but absolutely blitz has just been crapped on in that mode. Um, but no picking band and ranked, I think should absolutely be a thing. Um, other than that, I would like to see ranked get a wider map pool because there are some times where like, guys, I just got to go play casual. I miss playing in plane or house or favela, you you know, or whatever. Like, and people are like, oh, well, those maps aren't balanced. Like, yeah, but I don't want to play bank again. I don't want to play Oregon again you know like i mean you just get so tired of seeing the same maps every single time it's like so yeah maybe plane isn't the most balanced map but it's fun yeah you know balanced but i mean okay so do i want to do something balanced eight times in a row or do i want to do something balanced a couple times then something unbalanced and then a few more balanced you know just kind of bounce back and forth i i guess i'd rather have fun rather than having repetition Sure. I think it'd help a lot if, like, the casual... Because my problem with casual is just the time limit is so long. But, like, certain maps, like house, are, are kind of broken in casual because that map is so small. I love house. But with the time limit that big, it's like the attackers can just stay outside for forever and kill yeah. before they go in. I think that casual... Should, and they've already admitted that they are going to rework casual. And I think that's part of what the, all this silence and secrecy has been about. I do anticipate a casual rework is coming. Uh, as, and I'm hoping that it's part of this first season, you know, that we'll see here. But um, I think that if casual had the three-minute round timer mm-hmm. and had the ability to pick your spawns, mm-hmm. just like you can in the casual six-invitational playlist. I mean, that's yep. casual. And you can yep, pick your yep. spawns. Um, because damn it, I am sick of playing house and getting stuck in the living room every flipping time, <laughs> even though it's supposed to be yeah. a random spawn yeah. selection. Right. <laughs> yes. Their, their random generator is broken, man. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, the other Not day random. I was playing Oregon. It was like watchtower. We would get watchtower and then they get basement and it happened like three times in a row. It was like, we had watchtower and they had basement and we had watchtower and they had basement. I'm like, this is garbage. Yeah. <laughs> like, this yeah. is not fair. Um, but um, so you, you play on console, right? <laughs> Yes, are, are you PS4 or Xbox? Okay. So do you notice, because I see this a lot in the sub of like the mouse and keyboard players in rank, do you notice that as like a huge problem? Do you notice it every once in a while? Um, You know, it's hard to say because it's all over the place. Uh, there are times where I'm absolutely convinced that like I've got a few people I play with that um, they play on, they can get up to platinum levels. Mm-hmm. And when they join us and play with us, first of all, they can carry us. But second of all, um, I'm like, oh, you're mouse and keyboarding? And they're like, no, like, legit, this is a controller. And I'm like, no, there's there's no way. And they'll, like, you know, just real quick take their cell phone and just, you know, text message me the picture. I'm like, no, look, it's my controller. I don't even, like, look, I don't even have a keyboard in front of me at all. Um, so 
you know, and I've done that myself. Like I cranked up my sensitivity to levels. Like when I first started playing the game, if you go back and watch my really old footage, like I would have people saying all the time, like, how are you moving at that sensitivity level? <laughs> like you look so slow. And so like, I really cranked mine up to like very, like almost uncontrollable levels to the point where like, I had like, I had to wrap my brain around being able to move that quickly. Uh-huh. Um, and there's times where I can't hit, the side of a barn because my sensitivity is so high, but there's other times where I can spin and respond to a situation. And I feel like you, you have to be able to, to do that because mouse and keyboard is so prevalent. Um, and like, I'm somebody that I like using a mouse, but I can't use a keyboard to save my life. I cannot do the finger Kung Fu to mm-hmm. press all the buttons that like, I just look at it and I'm like, I see 76 buttons. What, you know? Um, so I have to use a controller to move with. I just, I just have to. And, um, but I feel like if you don't, you know, try to compete with that that high level of sensitivity to those mouse and keyboard players, you're just going to lose every time. Yeah, because uh, right. it has become more and more and more and more prevalent. So it is becoming a, a problem then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because it's like a one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing thing between Microsoft and Ubisoft, where right. each party is saying it's the other party's responsibility to take care of Mm -hmm. but microsoft has said like no we have the tools for the developers to be able to block these things you know we've got the api that allows the detection of like a zim or a a razor or you know whatever like input device that mimics the controller like we've Mm -hmm. got the api that we can give to the publishers and the developers uh, not the publishers, but to allow them to, um, you know, do things like put the, putting them all in the same matchmaking pool or whatever so that they kind of play together. But like, if the developers aren't going to use that, then they can't make them. And so it's like one of these things like, well, okay, you guys can stop pointing the finger at each other, but clearly like the technology is there to do something about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Do you think Ubisoft just like, just doesn't want to deal with it and so they're just sort of like trying to stay out of it they don't want to take a side and like you know piss off a bunch of keyboard and mouse players like what do you think is the deal there do they not think it's a problem i know that they think it's a problem um and they've come out as saying that it's weird because they've been like oh we think that this is officially like cheating or this is officially like a bandable offense mm-hmm. and yet you've got other content creators like um Oh, what's the one guy? Was it basically homeless? I think maybe we're, I don't know. It was some, somebody was like, look, I am using this. I'm not supposed to be, look at me, you'll ban me. And like, he couldn't get them to do anything about it. And he was like, wow. look, I'm doing this terrible bannable thing. Come stop me, do it. You know? And it's like, it wouldn't happen. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. But I think it's also hard to tell, like, you know, like I said, for me, like there's times where I play with, with friends, like, oh no, you're totally mouse and keyboard. And they're like, no, this is a controller, you know, kind of a thing. And like, you know, it's the same thing. Accusations type of thing. Right. Um, You know, and I've got things set up where my sensitivity is cranked so high that, you know, it it kind of can be like that too, or I'll put myself in a stupid situation where it's like, yeah, if my sensitivity wasn't that high, maybe I wouldn't have overcorrected and I would have actually landed that shot or whatever. But if my sensitivity isn't that high, I can't respond fast enough to the mouse keyboard players either. Right. So I, yeah. It's a lose-lose. Yeah. Yeah. Difficulties of playing with a controller for sure. Yeah, I was telling my friend today, I was like, I wish they could find a way to combine a mouse and a controller because controllers are so much better for movement and for like the buttons. It's just like they're more distinct and you're not like it's not just 
27,000 buttons that are all feel exactly the same, right? And it's like, but the mouse is amazing for aiming, so why can't we find a way to merge those two? Right, right. Uh, yeah, like, you know, I mean, the new thing is like the CQE spamming or whatever. Uh-huh, it's like, right. you know, <laughs> and like on console, you can really see the keyboard players because they'll do that. Like, it looks like they're having a seizure and like you you really can't do that with a controller. I guess you could if you had like paddles on the back of a scuff controller, maybe right. or something. I guess, I, I guess maybe, but um, yeah, like when I'm using my controller, like I can't do that stuff. But whatever, I I, I wouldn't want to play that way, even if I could. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> too sweaty. I have even a hard time trying to do it on like the default keys on my keyboard. Like I've tried to do it, I I can't. I just can't aim like that. Like you're going, like you can't. It's way too hard. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how sure. to do it. <laughs> it's a problem. So what do you think is like the number one issue in the game right now? If you could choose one thing to get fixed, whether it's like an operator or just like the way Ubi's handling certain things or whatever. So I'm really going to show my, my gaming dad side here, but uh, for me, it's matchmaking. Um, And that's a multi-part thing, but you'll get these things where people will derank themselves to intentionally yeah. stomp new players um, where they'll be like, okay, we're going to do road to copper, you know, and they'll like derank down so hard and then get the easy matches. Then you'll get the Smurfs who are like, you know, you, you queue up and then you check their gamer tag and you're like, Oh, they're a level 13 player with 200 gamers. Okay. <laughs> and they're playing like a diamond. Okay. Um, you know, or, uh, and that's, that's not matchmaking so much, but I feel like there's, Definitely some things that Ubisoft can do to detect those kinds of situations, those kinds of players, and um, cue them with similar players. Uh, I also think that when it comes to, like, I know that they always say, like, ranked matchmaking and casual matchmaking are separate. And casual matchmaking is sort of like a hidden under the hood thing because they don't want people to be able to game it. Mm -hmm. But I'm sorry, when I'm playing, like, I, I'm routinely, like, bouncing around the gold levels. Sometimes I'll ding down to, you know, like, a silver one or something like that, silver two or something if we lose a bunch in a row. But, um, you know, so I'm bouncing around between those levels. And then, like, when we go over and play some casual, and there's, like, you know, in our squad of five, there's, like, two golds, two silvers, and a bronze one. And then we get queued against, like three platinums and two golds. We're like, what? And we're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, no, no matchmaking doesn't mean the same thing. So uh, a ranked skill or, you know, a ranked level isn't going to be the same as they're still stomping people like platinum. So if we're silvers and bronzes and golds, like why are we even being paired? You know, like, well, it doesn't mean the same thing. No, 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 no. Don't tell me that. (laughs) Right. Right. And the thing is, it's just not fun for anybody. Right. Like, I mean, maybe it's fun for the people who are stomping, but it doesn't seem like that'd be fun to me. (laughs) And I know some people are like, well, maybe somebody got carried to platinum, like the rest of their team was platinum and they just got carried along for the ride. And they're really only like a silver or a gold player. Yeah, I don't. Those are the people that I guess I don't run into when I play casual (laughs) because I run into the platinum that are actually platinum. platinum. (laughs) I don't know where those guys are. We played against a couple of those guys in like the Discovery playlist. Cause I don't know like if that MMR is hidden or what's going on, but we played against like some diamonds in there. It's like these guys are way too good for us. Like they're good. I mean, when they started right. messing around, we were able to beat them. Like they couldn't mess around on us. But when they were playing, we had no chance. They were way too good for us. Yeah, for sure. So I think when you ask me, you know, like what's the number one thing I would change in Siege? It's that ability to have consistent matchmaking across all modes. Because I feel like ranked matchmaking is pretty good. I mean, there's yeah. there's going to be Smurfs and D rankers in there, right? Right, but it does a pretty good job of matching you for the most part. 
against teams of similar composition and skill level. I agree. But mm-hmm. for casual, it's just like, hey, whatever goes, you know, I mean, it's it's like the Wild West. Right. Um, and so I feel like at least in casual, because ranked isn't too awful, but at least in casual, they need to do a way better job of that matchmaking. Um, and I don't buy into that whole argument of, well, that's how you learn. Okay, silvers can learn from no. golds. Silvers <laughs> right. can learn from golds. Silvers will not learn anything from platinums and diamonds other than how to get really frustrated really quickly. Yeah. You yeah. should always be playing a, a tier, maybe two tiers, maybe two tiers above your current rank, but you should not be playing three and four tiers above your current rank. Yeah. yeah. Again, I know casual and ranked are different ranks, but I'm sorry, it does translate a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else on your wish list for 2019 from Siege? Um, I would, other than the changes to casual and matchmaking, Mm -hmm. I, so you mentioned operators. I think that that's a really interesting topic. Uh, there's a few operators I would love to see get a rework. Uh, we know Lion's getting a rework. Mm -hmm. We know Ubisoft has said that Glass could be getting, or is probably getting some kind of a rework, which is interesting because... I don't know. He's he's an operator that comes down to mostly accuracy, and I don't I don't know. It'll, I'll have to see what they do with him. But yeah. Um, and then of course everybody's always begging for the Tachanka rework and yep. a Castle rework, and uh, I don't know if they can ever get Tachanka into a place where it's usable unless they fundamentally alter him. But yeah, right. I would love to see a solid Castle rework. Yeah, Ryan's uh, Castle's his second most played operator, actually. Shockingly. <laughs> like, I was surprised when I saw that in my stats. But second most played defender. And I actually win with him more than I lose. So, like, I, I think he's better than people give him credit for. But he only works on a team that's working around his ability. Yeah. So that's where it's like, you know, you have to have a mute or else it's garbage. Yeah. So it's stuff like that. I think there's definitely some ways to strengthen him to make him a lot better than what he is. Like, for instance, if you made it so that you couldn't put fuse cluster charges on his panels, yeah. I think that would be big. Uh, I also think it would be good if you closed up the bottom gap when it's used as a door. Now, I say that with a caveat because shooting under that gap is super useful. Mm-hmm. But if you made that gap have a essentially like a wire mesh right that would block drones drones couldn't get through but you could still see through it and bullets could still pass under it so you could still use that gap like you use it now but it would essentially be like the first non-electronic anti-drone thing yeah where it would keep drones out that would give it some extra usefulness um you know just some things like that where i think you know it could really make him a little bit more useful in some situations yeah um yeah the thing is like right now you you have to use them on certain sites, like in some spot, and that's true of some other operators too. Like Mira is only good in certain spots or whatever, but also Mira has an amazing weapon that will kill anything that walks in front of it. So like, right, right, she has other things to compensate for that. Or like Castle, it's like there's like five or six select sites like in all of ranked that I'll use him on, and that's why my winning record with him is better than than like point five, <laughs> but. <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, sure he's my boy, and he needs a rework. Yeah. Um. So we have a few questions for you from our listeners, if you don't cool. mind. Yeah. Um. So Steel Switch wants to know what's your perfect fantasy map for Siege. 
something industrial. Uh, I feel like that's the one map type that we really haven't seen in the game so far. And by industrial, I mean like like some kind of um, – if anybody is old enough to have actually played Rainbow Six Raven Shield, the very first map in that game was Oil Refinery. And it was just filled with catwalks and heavy machinery and piping and tubes and, you know, just like that heavy industrial feel. I would love to see something like that, you know, set inside of a factory or set inside of a, you know, some kind of like a, a wastewater treatment plant or, uh, yeah, I don't know, something like that. I think that would be a very cool map to play. Yeah. I feel like Canal sort of like teases that on like the outside. Like there's yeah. some of that stuff and yeah. then you get inside and it's just, oh, this is just another building. Right, right. How do you feel about, like, the newer maps that have been released, like the Fortress and, like, I guess Theme Park was a little bit ago, but like, the ones that are more like mazes, like, you get inside, you just don't know, like, what's going on? Like, how do you feel about those maps? Yeah, so I know what they're doing. Um, it's a very Pro League-centric thing where they want to have all kinds of rotation routes and flanking routes. They want to be able to have it so that uh, you can't just sit on a window and hold an objective. Um you know, like you have to actually enter into the building, but in order to accommodate multiple sites and then have those buffer rooms around the sites, then you've got to make it bigger and bigger and to have all those serpentine flanking routes and things like that. Um, I know what they're trying to do and I'm scared it's becoming the new formula mm-hmm. because for every theme park and, um, you know, villa size map or whatever that comes out, it's like, okay, but some of the smaller maps are really nice too. Mm-hmm. And I know that they don't get a lot of play in ranked because they're unbalanced, but I think that there's reworks that could be done to a map. I mean, like, I feel like house could be made a little bit bigger and reworked a little bit and be made viable. It's not, it's yeah. not balanced as it is. I acknowledge that, but it could be made viable without having to make it into some serpentine villa map, you know? Right. Um, and I'm just, I'm almost afraid that this is just like the new normal and we'll never see like medium size and small size maps again. Like I think yeah. border is like the perfect size. Yes. Border's a I great love map. border. And that's a ranked map. Mm-hmm. So clearly you can do a smaller size. I, I call that a medium map. It's a medium map. Um, and I think that that would be great to go back to. We don't have to do these giant mazes every time. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I love the maps that are just like, it's just a big square and you recognize stuff where you are. Like a bank is a good example. You could go upstairs to CEO's office, the basement, there's a vault down there. There's an elevator, right? We were talking about that the other day and it's just like, it's nice to have these maps where you go inside, you just know what you're looking at instead of like kind of fortress. You go inside, you're like, okay, I don't know where I am. This is a maze or villa. Villa's basement is a huge maze. Right. And it makes for now i understand they're making a lot of these maps with pro league consideration Mm -hmm. but for the other 99 percent of us that play the game having a map that big makes it harder to play it makes it less accessible for the average gamer which again is 99 percent of the people that buy the game uh in that like you can give call outs in some of those big maps and you're like oh he's in second floor connector hallway east and you're like what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. Like you don't because there's so many rooms that like it winds up boiling. No, when you're in something smaller, like when you're in border, you'd be like, oh, you know, he's uh, he's outside of customs. Oh, he's over by armory. You know, oh, he's he's in the bathroom. Like you know, tellers, you know exactly yeah. where those positions are. But some of those other maps are so big with so many hallways and so many rooms. It's just like you give a call out and everybody's like, okay, you said exactly where he is. I still have no idea where that is. Yeah. Right. Know? Well, yeah, I feel like, too, 
like what's so great about a house for one thing is it's relatable, right? Because everybody knows what a living room is. Yeah. Right? And yeah. So like, um, they've got all these maps now that's like, there, there's so many rooms in these maps that they can't have a distinct enough feature in every single one that you know what you're talking about. Um, cause like you look at consulate and like, that's a pretty big map, but the amount of rooms is small enough that it's like, Oh yeah, it's piano room visa office. Like there's not that many different places within that large space. Well, it's funny because consulate is what used to be a big map, right? You know, before Villa and Fortress, you know, and stuff came along like that used to be like, Oh, that's, that's the big map. Uh, Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Not even close. Okay, let's see. Next question. This is from Rush17. He has two questions. So we sort of already covered this. What inspired you to make YouTube content for Siege? And who is your favorite operator? Um, I am a Twitch mate. Uh, okay. I love Twitch. And on defense, I tend to be a mute main um, just because of the utility that he has is like, I mean, very, very useful. But I think that Twitch and Mute are probably my mains. Um, I also have a lot of love for... Um, I like Legion. <laughs> because he's like a super awesome one to deploy against all the stupid shield rushes. Oh, yeah. So you've got the Blitzes and the Monies coming in. You're just like, you gotta pull out that Legion to deal with it. Um, I also enjoy playing Sledge because I have that map knowledge of where to make holes and, you know, knock out the floor underneath them or, or a Ash or a buck can also be good that way where I know, you know, okay, like come up underneath them and, you mm-hmm. know, take out the floor or take out the ceiling or whatever. And so like those kinds of operators where I can really use my map knowledge. That's why I like Twitch a lot too. Like I can, I can in the prep phase, like, I don't know. I don't get those Twitch players. Like they're zapping people during the prep phase. Like I don't get yeah. that, <laughs> but I'm the kind of one that will roll around and be like, okay, so if the site is upstairs, I'm taking down all the cameras below that site level first, so that I can take out four of the five cameras, and then you know I'll come back in right as the round starts, reactivate my drone, and get that fifth camera up by the site. You know, like that's what I focus on. I feel like that's a a role that I use to support the team. It's just like it's very clearly defined, you know, and that's what I can do. And Twitch gives me that ability to kind of like just sort of castrate their intel on defense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You brought something up. I, I have to know your opinion. Should we be allowed to stay in our drones at the end of the prep phase? <sighs> okay, so here's the thing. I see why people would want to, but how would you make it so that people could choose? I guess, like, would there be a button you would press, like a toggle of, like, remain in remain out or like you know like would you have some way of doing that because you don't want it to be like you stay in it until you go out of it because then you have the flip side of it of where like people want to be out of it right away and then they have to manually exit so right right. you know if there's like maybe a toggle that you could hit of like if you want to stay in it press this button while you're doing it and you'll stay in it then that'd be cool yeah that's definitely i would do it just be like have a prompt it's like to remain in your drone hold x or whatever it is right something like that yeah yeah, because like I can't tell you how many times where it's like I have it in like a great spot, and then somebody notices it like right as the thing's ending. It's like, right. oh, I lost my drone because for like some arbitrary reason, I'm not allowed to be in it right now. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's so annoying. Uh, okay, another question from Jukus. Um, Any general tips for players to improve? Um, people hate on terrorist hunt, but I really think that that's a great one to go into to help yourself improve. Uh, but not just to play it as it is, because there's some very fundamentally difficult things about it as far as training. 
uh, bombers and nitrocells are one of those kind of things. Um, and so are the way that the terrorists respond when you shoot them because they don't move the way players move. Like they don't like sway and their head pulls down for a second before it pulls. Like that's not the way people move. Um, but you'll find a lot more success if you switch your weapon to uh, semi-automatic and you just try to one tap things and try to always go for those headshots. And if you're training yourself, to kind of go, and that's how I kind of train myself to use like that super sensitivity where I'm like up and like, oh, I can also not control this speed range, um, is by doing that and just trying to get used to those like the muscle memory reflexes of, of uh, either flicking to a target or turning to a target that quickly and just trying to one tap it headshot kind of a thing. Yeah. I think it's good just to have more time walking through the maps, you know, if you're, if you're a newer player. Um, well, for map knowledge, I would recommend, yeah, doing that, but then also, not enough people do this go into custom match by yourself and put it on um something like or or not even well so you can do it in custom match but you do have a timer that you run up against but you know just walk around the map get familiar with where things are try to find out where sight lines are or go into terrorist hunt put it on hostage mode and then kill all the 20 enemies in the map and then the final three won't spawn until you grab the hostage so just don't grab the hostage I I will personally take Buck, and I will go around and I will shred walls, shred floors, try to find lines of sight. And because it's Terrasun, I can always go to the ammo cache and resupply his shotgun mm-hmm. uh, as much as I want. And I can essentially deconstruct an entire map and just, oh, so if I want to get a line on that window from this room, I got to shoot through that wall on this angle, and that'll give me that line of sight. And it's just not something you can easily get a feel for unless you're doing it in kind of like a mess around mode. Yeah, that's super smart. Like I always see people do it with like sledge and stuff, but I never thought about like, oh, with Buck, you can just refill his shotgun all you need. Yep. That's cool. Okay, uh, I think last question here. This is from Shedlock. Um, who are some good Siege YouTubers to get into? What are some classic Siege videos on YouTube that represent the best parts of the community? P.S. Thank you for making great content. Your operator profiles are all are really helpful. Oh, cool. Um, well, so some shout outs to some other YouTubers that I really like. Um, I've always had a heart for the informational people kind of like myself, because I feel like if you're a YouTuber, that's like, look at how amazing I am. You're, you're pulling in views, but I don't know how much that's giving back to the community. I mean, sure. You're imparting some like angles that you're holding or some skills that you're holding or whatever, but like taking that time to teach people, it's what I'm about, and I really appreciate that in other YouTubers that do that. So, um, like, I like watching videos like, I think Get Flanked is a great YouTuber. Um, or Dangleberries, I really like. They take the time to show you, like, you know, hey, there's these, you know, neat angles or these neat spots you might not have known about. Um, there's just so many good ones. Um, you know, or then you get into ones that don't even, they don't even need to teach you anything. They're just fun to watch. Like, I love watching Bikini. He's got some great videos. Very funny guy. Yeah. Or, um, like, Russian Badger can be funny. Um, you know, Narcoleptic Nugget is good. Um, there's so many good, um, you know, players out there. Uh, now, I know that there's some pro league players that also do content. Um, and those will be hit or miss depending on what I'm trying to get out of them. For instance, like, I think King George does some really excellent map deconstruction videos where he's like, hey, you know, on a pro league level, if you want to hold this room in this map and get this objective, here's how you approach it on attack or here's how you approach it on defense. Like, I think his informational videos are super good. I love those. Um, 
I'm not really so much into like watching like the live streams of of like the stuff that he does um, because I think that's more you know just like super competitive play, which is like a level I don't even understand. And even if I did understand <laughs> it, like I'm 40 years old and I can't play at that level. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, there's just so many good content creators out there, and I think that um, I think that as a game community, Rainbow Six is really blessed to have such a variety of comedy or skill or teaching or reporting or instructing you know of like no matter what it is that you want you can find a niche for it out there true um there's one more question from tay ray g he asks what's icy cat's name my guess is gerald (laughs) (laughs) i am definitely not a gerald um (laughs) you don't have Uh, to give your name if you don't want to well it's it is actually out there because uh i was part of that group that went out to montreal before the game was released and so uh they did put out my name up there as lee so if you were to go back and watch that tournament uh it is online if you if you were to uh google the road to montreal uh that was the the first tournament that was non-developer tournament and i was part of that and so yeah my name is on that already (laughs) okay there you go tay reggie <laughs> Not Gerald. <laughs> okay, wait. I have one last question for you because I've been staring at your guns behind you this whole time. What's your favorite <laughs> firearm? Uh, I am very, very partial to either MP5s or M4s. Uh, I just, I really enjoy those, you know, solid, you know, like 80s action staple movie kind of, yeah, you know, weapons. Yeah. Um, I, I love them so much. I like anything pretty much made by H and K. I think they do just fantastic weapon design. Cool. That's very cool. Anything else you want to add before we let you go? Uh, just that I'm really looking forward to see what the big reveals are going to be coming in the next week or so. I think that we are in store for some huge changes that are either fundamental alterations or possibly controversial alterations. And they're just kind of like holding out their cards very close to their chest before they show us everything that they've got going on. So I think there's some big things coming in. Frankly, I think they need to have some big things coming because the last year has been sort of just a remix of the same old formula. And I think, I think we need more than that going forward. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Hopefully 2019 is good for siege. Do you expect them to do a siege two anytime soon? Uh, yes and no. I think no, because I mean, first of all, they've committed to that five to 10 year plan. Um, and they're for sure going to hit that five year plan, but I don't know if they'll hit 10 or not, but they definitely said they want to try for it. The only reason I think that they might is because when the next console cycle comes around, which, you know, I mean, people are saying the next PlayStation, the next Xbox, you know, might be a year away or two years away. And I don't think that they'd want to be left behind on that. So whether that's uh, just like making it backward compatible on those systems or developing an actual new system. And I think the reason I could see an argument being made for another one to be developed is just that if we are getting a new console cycle, that it could take advantage of having uh, uh, an engine that is more refined. Because the Anvil next engine that Siege is based on is the engine that runs Assassin's Creed. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was never used for a first person shooter before. Uh, and so they kind of banged on it with a hammer until a first-person shooter got spit out from it. <laughs> and I think they did a good job, but um, there's also definitely some uh, limitations as far as, I mean, the destruction engine, as awesome as it is, really pushes uh, what they can do graphically with some of the things. 
Uh, and, you know, like, for instance, you know, particle effects, like we don't really see any like weather. There's no like real snow or rain or, you know, like, um, you know, there's just things that they could do more with if the engine could handle more. And I think the console limitation is sort of the throttle on that. Mm-hmm. So if they're developing new consoles in a year or two, they may develop a new siege just to take advantage of a new engine for those new consoles, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Isaac. It's been a pleasure having you on. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. Sure. Absolutely. Can you give us your YouTube and Twitter and everything so we can have people go to you? Yeah, uh, you can check me out at IcyCat25 on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, any of those places. There you go. Yeah, thank you so much, though. We really appreciate it. Anytime. Cool, man. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Stay focused, lads. Hey, guys. Hope you liked the interview with IcyCat. Sorry again for the poor quality on that. That was just a terrible technical malfunction uh if you made it through that thanks so much for putting up with it i have to warn you going into this next segment there is about two minutes where i had the wrong microphone set to record so you're gonna have about two more minutes of bad audio quality from me chris and our guests are gonna sound okay but uh if you can just put up with those two minutes for me then we'll be back to pretty decent audio quality for the rest of the episode thanks okay so now we're going to try something completely new so you guys will definitely have to let us know if you like this or hate it but we're going to do sort of a pro league update a pro league minute i don't know we need a name for this segment chris uh yeah that's what i got too (laughs) but uh oh we should call it camden's minute because we're joined by camden oh jeez camden camden is yeah camden's the plm camden's plm cplm no, we'll work on it. We'll keep workshopping it. Camden <laughs> is our dear friend. He is one of our regular squad mates in in the Siege. And he, of all of us who play Siege a lot more than he does, he's the only one that actually watches probably. Hundred <laughs> percent true. So Camden's here. Hello, Camden. Hello. Uh, <clears throat> tell us what's going on with the Invitational. So first of all, for those of you who have been listening in the past, I have a confession to make. I am the one that still doesn't know consulate. <laughs> so, so for those of you that listen to that particular podcast and probably lots of them before that, I am the one that doesn't know consulate still. No idea. I get lost every time. Been playing since beta. Doesn't know consulate. Since beta. Still doesn't know. Apparently that was in the That's beta. Good. I didn't know that either. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, so okay. uh, Ryan asked me to come on to... Uh, to give you guys a rundown of what's going on in the Invitational. Um, So I thought we could start maybe with the teams, not all the teams, just the teams that have changed. So if you've been, if you've watched Pro League before, like last Invitational or before that, there's been a lot of changes. Chris, do you know what I'm talking about? All the changes that... uh, Slightly. I know about the Penta change to... So that's the biggest one, right? So Penta was the big team before. They won the Invitational last year. And uh, Penta's entire roster got signed on to G2. So G2 now is essentially just Penta, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Penta now had an open roster, right? So Mocket's team went over to Penta, right? And then Mocket's, you know, roster was now open. So Orglis's team signed on to to Mocket. So all of those teams changed. So if, if you were familiar with any of those teams before, they probably all changed, but they're probably still your favorite members are probably somewhere else, right? And then 
the new uh, there's a new team called Team Reciprocity, and that's in North America. And uh, Team Reciprocity is actually Cloud Nine's team. So um, that's Fox A's team. And Goddess used to be on that team too, but uh, they switched her out for for Skies now. And then the new the other new team is the Stream. That's a that's a European team. And Lestream's team uh, is essentially Millennium's team, so it's pretty much the same roster there too. So that's a basic rundown of all the teams that have changed in the last year, which there's been a lot of changes, and in, in individual rosters have changed too. So how did these teams get invited to the Invitational? Was there some sort of qualifier? Yeah, time, so or? you had to win some, basically. So you had like the six majors, which was a big tournament, so the winner of that got to go. Okay, so you can earn G2. your spot like throughout the year. Yeah, so so they, we just had this season eight finals. I think that's what they called it, which was an online tournament. And the top two teams, I think it is of those from each region, got to go pretty much. And those that have already won a previous tournament, like the Paris Majors or uh, one of the minors, such as the DreamHack tournaments, they automatically got qualified for a spot. So that opened up another spot for that region. And so the next runner-up basically got to go i can't give you okay. a specific example of like someone that that happened to but that's basically how it works cool. yeah so, so, you're so everybody to the here earned their spot by winning something or placing high in some placing high tournament. yeah so so that's that's the thing so not it's not all these regions are really equal like apac is 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 not equal to north america or not certainly europe europe is probably the strongest uh region right now wait what's so, apac Asia Pacific, Asia Pacific, right? So okay. Asia Pacific, APAC is split, is split up, and so Australia has their own sort of, you know, their own region, and then uh, Korea, Japan, the Asia also has their own region as well. And so, like, I've never actually heard of Mantis FPS. Um, that's just a team I've never heard of, and they made it into the tournament by placing high in their own regional tournaments, and so that's how they cool. made it in. Where are they from? Uh, Mantis is Japan, I think. Okay, that'll be interesting. Well, they're no, done. they're already out. <laughs> oh, they're out. They're done. Yeah, they're already out. Actually, no. they're they're uh they're Australia. Sorry, they're an Australian okay. team. I was going to say yeah. the Asians, the they got like the whole League of Legends world, and the Koreans have the StarCraft world. Yeah, and apparently they're not FPS. that great at FPS though. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, just it, traditionally, they're the APAC region hasn't been that great, except for some of the Australian teams that have okay. done well in the past. Yeah. So and, where we're at now in the tournament then, from what I understand, is we're like halfway or, or more than halfway through the group stage. So everybody is in, there's four groups with four teams each. They all play each other or they are they all play until somebody, until two teams are eliminated. Is that how so it yeah, so it's a double elimination. So, so yeah, so there's four groups and it's double, double elimination. So two teams play, you know, you got two teams that play two teams and then the winners of those play those and the winner of that is automatically qualified. And then there's the winners of losers and then they keep playing until all teams have either won two or lost two, pretty much. Got it. Uh, okay. Yeah. And so, so that's, and then that's once just done for with... group stages. And so group stages, it's a double elimination, best of three matches. And so these matches take like an hour and a half, right? Um, it's and actually it's... digestible. What do you mean? Like, I could actually sit and watch an hour and a half of, of Siege. Yeah, but there's opposed so to... many matches. <laughs> well, yeah, I definitely couldn't watch all of them. But like, because how many rounds are like the actual finals? 
So the the, fi- the grand finale is a best of five. So you play best, best of five maps. And how they have it right now is first to seven rounds. And so you have to win seven rounds to win. And then you have to win by two. So if you're tied up, you have to win by two. And so um, it just keeps going until somebody's tied by two? So not in group stages. In group stages, they cut it off, I think, at like uh, nine or something like that. But oh, in grand oh. finale, it'll go on forever. That's insane. Yeah, so it could potentially go on forever. And over time, over time switches every round, right? Like attack to defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. Although they've changed the rules in that relatively recently, so don't quote me on that. But yeah, so it's it's pretty intense. I mean, those games could last for literally forever. Best of five, and if you have a match that gets like <clears throat> 14 games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It won't. I mean, it's, traditionally, that's not how it's been, but... Right. Usually, okay, so yeah, go on. Sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what exciting has happened so far? So, um, so I, so you know, I haven't watched obviously everything, and I've listened to some of it, but um, so the group stages aren't done. Group stages end tomorrow, so so the losers bracket pretty much plays tomorrow, and so we have one qualified team from each bracket so far. So in group A, you have Fnatic, which is an Australian team that qualified. Uh Fnatic, uh they be they beat Fa they beat Reciprocity first and then they beat Fnatic and that's how they got in. Uh, I don't know a lot about any of the teams in group A, so I'm not going to talk about a lot of them. Uh group B, you have Empire that's always that's already qualified. Um, and then in Group B, you have Space Station Gaming, Immortals, and Rogue, which are all pretty popular teams. Those teams, I, I keep track of most of those. Uh, I'll come back to Group B. Group B is probably more more exciting than most. Uh, group C, you have G2 that's already qualified, uh, which is no surprise, really. And uh, in them, you also have Mocket and Liquid and Mantis as well. Um, and Mocket and Liquid will play tomorrow, or will play tomorrow to figure out who's advancing. And in Group D, Evil Geniuses is qualified already, and then uh, Penta and Nora Rango will uh, will uh, will play tomorrow as well. So, so what's exciting that's happened? Um, I think one of the most interesting things that's happened is uh, G two struggle against Mantis FPS. So G two is has had a really really rough season. Like they play sixth. In the season, this last season, sixth wow. in Europe, yeah, sixth. Like, and then that's had, the team with Kenter Kedi and Kenter uh, Kedi, Pangu, Fabian. Pengu. Yeah, so oh, yeah. this is like the they team. Have, they have struggled. The meta has changed a lot in pro league this last season with the quarantine of of Lion. It's become a very defender friendly. Uh, kind of a play style, and uh, what I've noticed is, or what you know, the 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 announcers and the analysts have talked about is uh, what YG two is struggling is a lot of people have gotten really aggressive and they're just not used to it, and so it's kind of thrown them off a little bit. I don't know if they're struggling with confidence or what it is, but they against Mantis, Mantis is they're not that good, but they went eight and six on Clubhouse, and they went seven and four on Coastline, and they beat Mantis. You know, it was a two zero. But they they struggled. It was back and forth. It was something that we expected them to go, you know, maybe seven two, you know, beating them seven two. But they just didn't. So I'm really I'm actually really excited because I think this might be one of the first invitationals or one of the first major tournaments that G two might not win, which I'm really excited about. Uh, do you guys know who's on? Like, do you guys know the players on G two all that well? I I know Kentor Kedi and Pingu. 
Yeah, so Kanto Kanto is a new addition from Ents. Kanto is is really he he's an Ash main and he's mm-hmm. an Ash Jaeger main, and that's pretty much all he's he the does. Is, yeah. Yeah, that's all he does. Yeah, and that, and that's fine. And it's funny because on G 2s team, like one of the analysts said that all of their people have uh, came into the team as Ash mains, and they all develop their own style and their own like their own role in the team, right? Uh, so they're all really really good players. Um, they have Fabian, who's the team captain, and he's just a huge jerk. Like, <laughs> like he, I'm okay. sorry. Like, so, so he's just he, he just tells like he's not humble at all. Like, he's self-proclaimed best player in the world right now, which is statistically not right, but that's just no. what he tells people. And like when he goes on to interviews at the end of like matches and stuff, like you know, the announcer say, "Hey, it's good to see you." He's like, "Yeah, it's not good to see you." He's just like, wow. "Does he actually say that?" Yeah, he did. I can send you a video if you want. That's Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman right there in football. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, <laughs> he's just like the biggest shooting. So I'm just so excited that they may lose. And it would just be really exciting to me. And I'll tell you who I want to win. So in Group B, you have a team called Empire. And I, I've been talking to you guys a lot about Empire. No one's yes. really... No one's really said anything. So Empire yep. just came up from Challenger League, right? So they, they came up from the league lower than Pro League. Okay. And they just qualified. So you have to go through these things. You have to win so much in the Challenger League to to get in to, pro, to play Pro League matches, right? So they just got in this last season. And they they smoked it. So they placed first in EU, right? So they they drew twice and they won six. I think that's what it was. In this last, so far in this last season, and they they drew with G two actually, and they gave them a big run for their money. They they have a couple of really really good, uh, really good players, and their support pairs are really really good. And they're just so they're they're a Russian team too, so it's not a a particular, you know, not like a typical. Yeah. yeah, it's not it's not typical. So most of these teams are, are German or uh, or or Finnish. Or French, you know, and those are mm-hmm. those are the really good teams. It's not typical, so they're they're the underdogs in this tournament. But you know, I, I'm really excited. I really hope they win. CGG did uh, staff predictions, and they had Team Empire. Uh, so two of their staff said that they would take it all the way, and so you know, they know a lot more than me, so they probably won't. But they also said that G two uh, seven seven said that G two would go all the way, and twelve said that Evil Geniuses would. So, for what it's worth. But I'm really excited about Team Empire. They just uh, they just beat um, Immortals, which um, which you know it is what it is. I don't know Immortals all that well, but it, apparently it was pretty close. And they just beat Space Station Gaming. Space Station Gaming just beat Rogue, which I thought was a really big upset. And so I think that they have a good shot. But I think it'll be close. But I, I really hope that they'll go all the way. But I think another of the big. Uh, the big uh, favorites to win is Evil Geniuses. So that they're, have mm-hmm. you guys heard of Evil Geniuses? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, no? Uh, Not just, so much. I, mean, I heard the name. A little bit. Yeah. So, uh, th- they consistently come up like right after G2 or former Penta, right? So, they're, they're always the runners up. They're always playing in the grand finales and they're always. So, I really hope that they win too. Like, if, you know, if it is an empire, that's who I'm rooting for. If it is an empire, I hope it's Evil Geniuses. Uh, what what makes it really, so Evil Geniuses played Lestream, and they beat them 2-0. And what was really cool about that was, uh, so they're a captain Canadian. His, that's, his name is Canadian. He's actually mm-hmm. from Canada too. But he was he was really, really on. And when Canadians on, like, usually they win. Usually they go really far. And so that's a really, really good sign. And so they look really good too. Cool. Um, 
So right. of the matches coming up tomorrow, what mm. like what one or two do you think are the most like interesting to keep an eye on? And by tomorrow, that's today. By the time you guys are listening to this, yeah. um, uh, are you pooping? Space Station and Immortals will be interesting. Um, I you know I honestly just don't know these teams. Like the teams that are playing tomorrow, I don't know them a whole lot. The Liquid Market will be really interesting. So Liquid won the. I don't think it was the Invitational, but I think they won a major recently, and they're they're by far like the best Latin American, the the best Latin American team. And so them beating Mocken and getting into the playoffs, um, since they've like shown that they've been able to take it all the way and win before against G2, I think that will be really interesting. So hopefully, hopefully they'll make it to make the whole thing more competitive. Um, cool. So, so we'll see about that match, but space station and Immortals should be pretty good too. Um, hopefully. Oh, whoever's the best will win, I guess. But who's who are all the North American teams that are still in? Um, so you have uh, so Space Station uh, is North American. They play tomorrow. Um, reciprocity, reciprocity will play tomorrow. They play Gaten's fa- uh, phase, and Reciprocity used to be Cloud Nine, so they're North American. Oh, okay, um, and that's it. Okay. Those are the two that play tomorrow. The ones that are still in, though, Evil Geniuses are still in, and that's it. So you were saying that you want Empire to win. Oh yeah. What what oh, would be your like? What would be your prediction for like who you think will win? <laughs> who who I actually think will win? Mm-hmm. If you were betting uh, on it. If I had to put money on it. Yeah. Oh, you know, G two has just been so consistent, and at least in the past. And so if I was if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say that they they'll probably win. The thing about G two is G two is um, so their match against Mantis. It was really weird. They were doing really weird stuff, like playing like so they were playing like clubhouse and they were playing basement, but they were roaming far offside, which you generally don't do in clubhouse. But they were doing it and they were losing. And so like the announcers like, what are they doing? But they, what they thought they might be doing is trying stuff out, at least on a team that they thought they would be able to beat, just to see, you know, if it would go yeah. all right or, or what it was. And so I wouldn't necessarily count them out, especially from that particular performance. But something that has been really consistent with them is that under pressure, they've been able to come back and, you know, you know, it'd be like, they'd be like zero four and they'd like come back and win matches like that. And they do that mm-hmm. very consistently. And so, I, I think out of all of the teams, they probably have the most experience and the most, uh, the best ability to come back from deficits and not like sulk about it. You know what I mean? Although this season was, they did really poorly with confidence this season. So who yeah. knows? But probably G2, I would say, out of all of them, unfortunately. Cool. I just don't want them to win. <laughs> and then, okay. So getting a little bit more into like the actual gameplay, like of what's gone on so far, has there been anything that's been surprising, like playing operators that they don't normally play or like operator bands or like, I know you haven't watched like every match, but just from what you've been able to catch. Uh, I, I heard, I was listening to one today. I heard someone got a frost trap kill. That was pretty hilarious because you don't, frost is almost never played in, in pro league, almost never. Uh-huh. She's just not that, her gun's it's all too right, easy. I guess, but yeah and and people 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 look for it you know it's just people don't play trap operators but outside of legion all that much just because it's just you know you never see like a capkin for example almost never right. see a capkin right um, not even from the russian team 
No, no. Come on, guys. No, they, they never. They they almost the only the only Spetsnaz Russians that are ever, <laughs> the only Russians that are ever played is Klaas, but he's usually banned. He's often banned out depending on where you know who's playing and stuff. Who, who are the typical pro league bands now? Well, you know, it really or depends it really on the map. Depend on map. Okay. Oh, it really depends on the map. But you is know, Echo a pretty cons- consistent band? Yeah, Echo's really consistent. Uh, Maestro is really, really consistent. Yeah, that's my um, boy. He's too good. Yeah. <laughs> I love Maestro. He's, he's he, so is, he is too good, and that's he just has too much utility, and that's he's that's the so thing. freaking good. That's the problem when you have Maestro and Echo at the same time. Like, oh yeah, it's too much way, intel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and when you throw like Valkyrie in there, Valkyrie is often played as well on, on the yeah. defense. Like, there's just way too much, and that's why it's too defensive right now. So when you had Lion, you had some way that the, despite all of the utility that was on the defensive side, at least at the time, you had a way for the offense to push, and then all of this, the meta was very offense heavy. And now with him being quarantined, like it's just so defensive heavy with Echo and Maestro together, like it, it's ridiculous right now. It's ridiculous, but on offense, usually you get a hard breacher. One, one, one of the three will be banned almost always. Really? Uh, are they playing uh, Nomad at all? No, no, Nomad and uh, Kaid are, are are in quarantine at the moment. Oh, they are yeah. still. That's correct. Oh, that's They're right. still in quarantine. Yeah. yeah, they'll they'll come out in a season or so, at the end of the season or something like that. They, they'll uh, same thing. Fortress won't be played until right. It's, proven to be probably a good map and i'm i'm interested to see if they do play nomad because i feel like the player base hasn't really gotten to know how to play her but i've seen plays with her that have saved matches Mm -hmm. i think the pro league will learn how she's oh yeah very well pro league uses alibi like really effectively like you have a lot of people that will play alibi and it's just i just never had a you know just never really used her all that all that well because i because i suck but it's a completely different Frame oh, of yeah. it's, it's, it's really really different they they like uh mute has seen a huge upsurgence like his, he used to be never picked and now he's he's picked pretty often and that's because they gave him the smg 11 and so people mm. like he's there he's pretty much played it like a smoke now with the shotgun and an smg 11 and then he has that utility on top of it and it, it is it, the play style is very very different than what you see in you know our bronze ranked matches or whatever we play you gold know? gold, <laughs> oh, gold. Is, is it, is it I, I, I haven't been gold. seasons but um uh, what do you also see though as well as you see target bands too which are really interesting and so like g2 like pengu plays a really good monte he's, he's the best montane player probably in the world and oh really oh oh yeah oh he's he's really good and uh they the opposing team almost always bans him especially on maps like clubhouse and not clubhouse ghost line and, and ones where yeah shields are really really effective they always ban it because they know that he'll play it you know and yeah or they'll ban ash or they'll ban something like that some target bans for the other team that's so. cool i wish they would make find a way to make it more watchable because it's just it's too much <laughs> like it sounds so interesting and like the a little bit that I have watched here and there is like, oh, this is cool, but it's just too long. Yeah, like, you, you just gotta sit. That. You gotta sit down and watch it like that, that and that's the really pro- that's the real problem. I've tried listening to him, listening. It, it kind of works, but you almost need to watch it. But what they really, what Pro League really needs to do, what what the ESL really needs to do is to make better highlight videos. Like they'll put mm-hmm. the entire video on demand, but it's like an hour and a half. But if you cut out like all the things that the commentators say, you know, and and just right. get. Like yeah, you know, even, for, yeah, even if it was just like just round around around, like I'm sure that would be way shorter. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, 
because I mean the picking operators and stuff takes forever. And and th- in the NFL, don't they have something that you can you know, like a subscription you can pay yeah. for to just watch mm-hmm. the games without the commercials and just you, play it's, the play? it's free. And ESPN oh, or really? NFL.com, they upload just highlights, and you can just watch hi- NFL. It's NFL.com. They just upload the highlights. You can watch just the highlights of the game. So it'll just show yeah. scoring plays. That's exactly what we need, except that they don't have. There's not. I mean, if you look at how many views you get on, it's it's not enough. Like there's not enough people watching it for them to do it. Unfortunately, yeah. But well, I mean, cool. they they're in a they're in a huge arena this year, and they I don't. I think, think there's certainly people who are into it, right? It's just oh, like yeah. I oh, yeah. I don't think they're ever gonna hit the masses with how long. T- I mean, maybe no. they will because like league league tournaments and StarCraft tournaments they take forever too, you know. So maybe they will. And I sit and watch melee tournaments sometimes, and that takes forever. So maybe I'm just. <laughs> it just depends I'm, on if you like yeah. it or not. I mean, right. it, so so you guys, if if you think you you know you might be interested, sit down and watch like the 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 grand finale. Or watch like the last match of the grand finale just to sit down and watch it and see if you like it it's almost always you know you may like it you may not i didn't think i'd like it but i you know i watched it and i you know okay yeah it's kind of like watching a basketball game i know it's not but it's it's almost that exciting when you like follow teams and you really get into it so that's that's definitely a thing too like when you're yeah. invested in oh, it when you have a yeah. team that you care about then like it suddenly becomes much more interesting oh yeah so oh, yeah. that's a good recommendation, a though. Like, if yeah. if somebody is curious about it, like that's a good way to, I think, to sort of get a feel for it. Go watch that that final match. It's going to be like the top best of the best, right? And then yeah, get an idea. Well, of... Are they playing in Paris? No, no, they're in Montreal. Actually, they're Montreal. in Montreal, but they're it's near right. Montreal. Yeah, that's right. They're they're in the new. Uh, they just built a huge uh, ice hockey rink in Laval, and so. That's that's where they're at in a big ice hockey rink. So it's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, I cool. think it's their biggest venue to date, and it's the biggest prize pool to date too. I think it's two million now. So they cool. were taking, Great. they were taking, yeah, that's I insane. know they were, and first place gets forty percent. And so they were taking, oh my gosh, they put in a million dollars, and then they started taking revenue from like skin some sales of the and stuff, skin yeah. sales and stuff. Yeah, and so I think it got up to two million, and so that's what that's what they're playing for right now, which is really cool. So. Should be good. Anything else you want to say about Pro League before we end it? Uh, I think I got a lot to say about Pro League, but I, I really hope Team Empire wins. I, I really, really hope the under. I, I'm really rooting for the underdogs. I really hope they win. So, okay, I will root for Empire with you, and I'll keep up root, on what's happening. Root, root, root for Empire, and hopefully, hopefully they they pull it out. I'm cool. gonna watch some of their games now. I'm interested. Yeah, really, you just got to get into a team. You got to have a team, and you got to you got to know the name. And and know you know what they're like and stuff and and then it gets a lot more interesting if it's just names on a board and just you're just watching someone else play siege it's just it's not interesting unless you know the people. Sweet. Okay. Well, awesome. thanks, Camden. Good yep, update. No uh, we will talk to you later. Yep. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.